already know I am a guy who likes watching TV. Now, not American TV, more uh, outside of U.S. TV. And when I was putting together this message, I, have, I had to shout out this show that everyone knew. I'm like, if there was one show that everyone had to have heard of, what would it be? And I'm like, well, obviously, Dragon Ball Z, right? Right? It's been around forever, so it doesn't matter. Um, it's hung in there a long time. But when, when I thought about this culture of uh, how we make it better, I thought the main character to this show, his name is Goku. Very, I mean, everyone kind of knows that character. He is a person who every time he fights someone or gets hurt or whatever, he, because of his uh, race and, you know, his heritage, will always get stronger when he recovers. And I mean that by just like there's a multitude of uh, him getting better each and every fight. And that's just how they are. And for, for Goku, you know, that is how he functions. He'll go into battle and then he'll be like twice as strong coming back. And then he'll usually whoop the guy who just beat him up the, the arc before. And even though we're not this, you know, Goku that can go Super Saiyan, as long as he has enough battles, we are all designed to constantly get better. That is how God has designed all of us. Even though we're not this character, it's true. At the end of the day, we're all designed to constantly be getting better. And that's important for us to know because if we're going to have a culture of us where we make it better, we can already kind of piece together that we have the advantage because we were designed to naturally progress, naturally get better. So let's, let's kind of dive into what God says about this idea. Because I can say that's a culture, I can say it's on a, a TV show, but at the end of the day, unless I back it up and kind of show you how God agrees with that, there's really not that much credibility to it. Let's just be honest. So let's jump into the Word and let's see what God has done to support that claim. So why does God say that we should have a culture of making it better. Well, let's look at the Old Testament first. Let's kind of go back. That's a place that not a lot of us have visited. All right, if anything, if you open up the Bible, you'll like maybe go to like Job, and you're like, whoa, that one's, what the heck is that? Oh, okay, Romans, I can do that one. Old Testament, not as well known. But there is so much that is still taught with this culture in mind. So the main character in this is not yet Jesus. He, we're going to get to him. He's New Testament. Old Testament, that's when God is kind of running the show. You know, he calls Moses, has him do some stuff. And what God is doing is 
he, throughout the whole Old Testament, is big on teaching. So what he does is he teaches people left and right in the Old Testament. You know, he gave us the law through the Ten Commandments. Maybe you heard of those. Another thing he did is he was constantly foreshadowing Jesus through his messages to the Jews. So he was constantly tell, telling them and teaching them, hey, there's going to be this person that comes and it's going to completely change the game. And we don't have a ton of time to go into that depth, but I'm just going to tell you a few verses about that because two-thirds of the Bible is the Old Testament. And that's where God says many times, someone is coming. He says that. That's a quote. He says, someone is coming. He, he, he tells us that he is going to be a great prophet like Moses, which was a big deal back in the day. Um, and he says that in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 18. He even says that he will, this Jesus person, or this person that's coming that's going to be a prophet, he will rebuild the house of David and rule as king and priest. That's in 2 Samuel. And he even says that he will be suffering, he will be the suffering servant of the Lord on whom our sins will be laid in Isaiah 53. So he's foreshadowing the heck out of this guy, Jesus. And just to clarify, no one knows who Jesus is. Like, he has not been introduced. We have the spoiler because we can just jump ahead in the book. But before the New Testament was even written, before Jesus was introduced, he is saying that, hey, there's going to be this person that will be the suffering servant of the Lord, the Lord of whom our sins will be laid. And they're like, okay, like, so... You're telling us this is going to happen. And he constantly was teaching us things like that. And then Jesus came. Let's go to the New Testament. And he was constantly teaching us. We can look at Matthew chapter 5 all the way to chapter 7. That's when he has the Sermon on the Mount. Very famous chapters in the Bible. In John chapter 10, he teaches the people and he basically is saying, hey, I am the good shepherd. And then he, throughout the whole New Testament, is just teaching over and over and over. And at the core of everything that he says, what he desires is for people to grow. To become more than they are. And then we can turn to ourselves. What does the Bible say about us? We've talked about God in the Old Testament. We've talked about Jesus in the New Testament. But what about us? What does God have to say about us specifically? Well, if you don't already know, at the end of Matthew chapter 28, in verse 19, he basically gives us the Great Commission. So he's been doing all this stuff. He, he's been teaching us. He's been telling us, hey, become more than you are. And then in Matthew chapter 28, he says, now I want you to do the same. Long story short, that's basically what he says. So not only does God support it and is referenced it all the time, 
Not only does Jesus support it and references it all the time, but even we, he specifically says we are to do that, to go out and make it better. Now, there's a lot of specific things he wants in that progression. But overall, that is what he's calling us to do. He said, go out and make disciples. Teach. Make them more than they were. And guys, if there are people being called out to teach, like this Great Commission, then there has to be people receiving that, right? If someone told me, hey, go out and, and make a disciple, someone has to be on the receiving end of becoming this disciple, right? And what you have to understand is people have to be taught. Now, that sounds obvious. I know it does. But this is what we can kind of connect the dots when we know all of this. We are not exempt from being taught when we are following Jesus. And I'm going to say that again. We'll throw it on the screen for you. We have a slide for it. We are not exempt from being taught when we start following Jesus. When you say that you're going to start following Jesus, you're like, hey, I, I, was, I was found, I was lost, and now I'm going to go out and do the Great Commission. It doesn't mean you're exempt from what we're talking about. You're not just going to be the one who's teaching. You are in the same boat of also being taught. Now, for some of you, that's still obvious, and that's fine. I just, it, it's so important to clarify this because it's, in, it, it's almost essential to understand in order to get the point across of why we are trying to make this culture a thing. So, we want to be a culture of making it better, right? The problem with it is this. Let me identify a huge problem. Not everyone wants to make it better in life. Still, that might still be obvious. All right, but I'm going to say it. Because most of us might already be thinking it. You know, you'd be like, Zach, I get that. I get that God has designed us to make it better, to, to, to improve our lives. But sometimes I'm just not in the mood. Sometimes, you know, I'm pretty content with where I'm at. That's the first problem we want to identify and resolve here tonight. Because if you've ever thought that, like, okay, I'm content. I don't need to be better. I think I'm okay then listen up to this. Because a lot of people are perfectly fine with where they're at. They totally are. They have settled for what they have. And the reality is we're in a world that has a culture where we have winners and losers, for example. Let's, let's even use an example of like a soccer game. Okay, there's a winner and there's a loser. We're in a culture where when you win, you get a trophy. And if you lose, you still get a trophy. It's like, hey, everyone, you're, like, you're okay. Like, even if you lost, 
you're good. Here's a trophy. And that's no dig on that. I'm just saying, like, we're in a culture where we communicate to everyone, it's okay no matter where you're at in life. And I would agree with that. And not only be me, but God agrees. He is okay, and he is going to love you no matter what you do, if you win or lose. Here's the difference, though. It doesn't end there. God will love us the same no matter what, no matter how we perform, but he doesn't want us to be content with how we do. That's the difference. I'm gonna, let's put it on the screen because this is, this is so important. I'm going to say it one more time. With, with, with the soccer team where a winner gets a trophy and a loser gets a trophy, be like, all right, that's okay. You're, we're all winners. God agrees. And, and he takes it as far as he is going to love us the same no matter how we perform. But he doesn't want us to be content with how we do. And you can't just end the sentence halfway. Our culture wants to end it there. Our culture wants to say, hey, you know what? It's okay that you didn't measure up. Here you go. Here's a trophy that says participation. Go home, eat some pizza. That's it. What you have to start doing, guys, is you have to start saying, okay, yes, God loves me even though I messed up, even though I didn't measure up fully, because that's true for everyone. But don't be content with that. Don't be content with not measuring up. He wants us to make it better. In Proverbs chapter 12, Verse 1, this is probably the most blunt way that he tells us this. You want a direct quote of God basically saying, hey, make it better. Like, it's what you should do. Let's throw it on the screen. I saw this and I, I was baffled by this. Proverbs chapter 12. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. But he who hates correction is stupid. That's a, I didn't like autocorrect that. That's like a direct quote. You can look it up. NIV at least. I'm going to say it one more time. Okay. He like literally tells us straight up. You want something blunt in the Bible? Here it is. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. Okay. That's like usually like, okay, like, yeah, that's, that's a typical thing in the Bible. And then he continues and says, but he who hates correction is stupid. That's a little raw. <laughs> and I, I, at first I was surprised when I read that. But what it is telling us in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1, if you want to write it down, he's like, oh, they say stupid in the, in the Bible. You know directly there's no interpretation. If you don't want to make it better, which, which is being corrected, if you don't want to be corrected and, and, and improve, they're literally calling us stupid for it. 
Dang. That's a little raw, right? Now, a more important question you probably have to ask yourself is not whether you want to or don't want to. Because if, if the verses won't convince you, then you're probably leading to the next question. And that's why people don't want to change. Why would I even want to change, Zach? I get it. Proverbs makes it very clear. He is telling us to make it better, to always be improving. And if we're against that, then we're not smart. But why? Why am I stupid if I don't step into that? If I hate correction? And that's a valid question because he doesn't go into that. He, he just, he basically commands us and it's more of a statement and he doesn't go into as much detail. So I'm here to tell you that it's valid to still be asking this question. Why the heck would I? And the answer is this. And it's going to sound a, a little raw. It might be a little rough hearing. But it's true. The reason people don't want to change, the reason why is they do not want to own their, their shortcomings. I'm going to say that one more time. The reason why people don't want to change they don't want that correction. They don't want to improve is because they are not able to first own it. They're not able to own where they fell short. And if you're in that position where you're like, man, I'm happy with, with where I'm at. Life's good, man. I don't need to improve. I'm at my peak right now. The reason why is because you aren't owning your stuff. You're not owning up where you're falling short. In fact, you're happy with it. You're content with it. And I'm not here to put shame on you for that. Neither does Jesus. He's not here to say, shame on you for that. He deeply desires us to constantly be making it better. He does. But I'm going to go back to what I said earlier. Because he will love us the same no matter how we perform. He just doesn't want us to be content with falling short. He doesn't want that for us. His love does not alter. It is not at stake depending on how we do or what we say or 
doing moving forward. The reason why you don't want to do it, though, is, man, I'm sorry, but you, you, you probably just haven't really owned where you've fallen short. Um, there's a, I wasn't sure if I was going to share this story, but I think I'm going to. So everyone has fallen short. That's what I said in the beginning. Okay. And the first step you need to do if you want to be in a culture of making it better, you need to own where you've fallen short. Now, we're going to get into the next steps. That's, that's when the good news starts happening. That's when we start having fun. But this is, this is going to be the hard first step, and I'm going to lead the pack here. And it's not just people. It's this group. It's revival. We as a group have fallen short. And as the leader, I have led this group and fallen short in the process. First of all, that's hard for me to say. Because what I desire for you guys is the absolute best. And I can truthfully say that. I can fall asleep tonight knowing that I 100% honest in that statement. And it is so hard for me to say and admit that as the leader of this group, we have fallen short. The other Wednesday, actually, um, I was, at the end of the night, I was just having a rough time. And the reason was, we had some employees come up to me, and they basically told me, hey, you know, we know you guys are having fun. Um, and someone had just spilled a drink on the ground and he said man like we get it we know people spill drinks but it, it just feels like it happens all the time and for me the first thing I thought was like hey it doesn't matter who spilled the drink it doesn't I don't think anyone is intentionally trying to do that but as the leader of the group, they're not coming up to you guys because you guys aren't the ones who are over this group. I am. And I need to take responsibility for that. That's why they came up to me. That's why they told me that. And for me, it, it wasn't that it was embarrassing it was more, I was sad because I'm like, man, you guys don't know the character of this group. Because that is not us. 
We're not a people that just comes, horses around, leaves a mess, and then leaves. Now, does it happen? Yeah, it does, but that, that's not us. And it was, it was hard for me to just listen and, and, and just say, hey, like, thank you for telling me. Because I knew who we are. But at the end of the day, as a group, we fell short. We fell short in how we can go to Chick-fil-A and have a good time. Remember, we work hard, we play hard. And the reason I bring that up, guys, is not to bring shame on us. It's not. It's to, to basically do this. It's to own where we have fallen short. And for me, I need to be the first one to fess up on that. I need to make it a priority for us to know that, hey, we go to Chick-fil-A. We have an awesome time, and we leave that place spotless. And we're mindful when we're there to not make a mess. And it's a shortcoming on my part to have not communicated that. The good news is, God loves us. He loves me the same no matter what. And I can hold fast to that. But what he's telling me after that is like, hey, Zach, I love you. I'm 100% for you. But man, don't be content with that. Take that, own it, and make it better now. Put aside the shame that you might be feeling. That's not what I want for you, Zach. What I want for you in this group is to just make it better. And guys, if you want to be a part of a culture that is doing that, it's not avoiding all of the problems and all of the shortcomings because we're not perfect and it's going to happen. I'm sorry, it is. That's just how it goes. What we can do, though, is what this culture is. We can make it better. Here's one of the last things as we start closing up I want to identify. Because if you are going to start owning it, which is the first step, you have to know that learning is more important than your pride. Learning is more important than being right. And learning is more important than looking like we know the answer. Guys, by us always making it better, we are serving those who get to learn with us. I gotta say that one more time. I mean, 
Th- this is like the gold of this. Because learning is so important, more important than pride, than being right, looking like the smartest person in the room. And by us always making it better, we are serving those who get to learn with us. And we want to learn so that we can make what God has entrusted with us better. We don't put pressure on ourselves to make it bigger. That's God's job. We just make it better. And here's the last one. I'm just like, I'm just dropping bombs on you guys. This is the last one. If you see a problem in the group, coming on revival, if, if you see these problems, don't just sit around but be a part of making it better. You want to know what it's like to step into that culture for revival? That's what it looks like. I got to say it one more time. I mean, just like write this stuff down, guys. If you see a problem in the group, don't just sit around and be like, oh, well, that sucks. Be a part of making it better. That's when it starts being fun. Because you're not just owning and be like, oh, well, that sucks. I'm going to sit here and think about it. What? No, don't, don't, do, don't stop there. Don't just take the trophy and be like, all right, I'm good. Time to get pizza. Be a part of making it better, guys. Some of you might be thinking, man, Revival's messages suck. Hopefully no one. (laughs) But if you guys are thinking that, don't just sit there and be like, well, I hope Zach starts doing a better job. Now, hopefully none of you are in that place. But if you are, first of all, God loves you. I still love you. And this is what I want you to do. Okay? I want you to not just sit and do nothing. If you want to be a culture in revival that makes it better, then you're coming up to me and say, Zach, I mean, you got to start working on this stuff. I mean, dude, come on. We ain't getting nothing. Or better yet, Zach, can I just jump up there? Because I think I could do better than you. Maybe that's a little too aggressive. Okay, maybe. I think I, could, I think I could still accept that. But don't don't just sit and be, wow, well, man, revival sucks because there's really no good prayer time. Zach says that we have prayer time, but man, it sucks. I never feel like it's good. Guys, if you're thinking that, don't just sit around and like mope. I'm just, I just want to be real with you guys. Guys, if you want this culture, then don't just let people pray for you. 
But start praying for people. Start making it better. One of the last ones that you might be thinking. You'd be like, man, I mean, the sermon's all right. Prayer's pretty good. But my gosh, the small groups are boring. We never have good discussions. I just feel like we're just filling empty space. Guys, if you've ever thought that, or maybe like, man, I just thought that last week. Then here's the thing. There's no shame in that. There's no condemnation. If we're going to be a culture that's making it better, it's not about the problem. And we don't want to be a people that just identifies it and says, oh, cool. Now I'm going to move on. We want to be a culture that identifies the problem. And just like a small group, for example, if we think it's boring, we start bringing some of our own questions to the discussion. We start bringing our own discussion to a new topic. Hey, I know we're talking about fear. And I just wanted to ask you guys some questions that, have I, that I've been wrestling with or that I wrote down when I was taking notes. Are you guys okay if I do that during discussion? Thank you. Guys, it's not about just being content and saying, well, yeah, revival kind of sucks, but is what it is, right? And you're leaving here some nights and thinking, man, there's just that, that thing that I, I just don't think we're doing good enough. First of all, that should be everything. Because everyone here, especially me, as a leader, I'm not perfect. I'm going to make decisions and, and stuff that is not correct. And so we're bound to fail at some point. Probably more often than not. It's not about that. It's about stepping in to that group, identifying it, and then saying, man, I want to be a part of making it better. And I'm not content with where it's at in this area specifically. Guys, I'm not telling you that you need to come in and start leading the group and change everything. No, I'm not here to tell you that. What I'm here to tell you is, man, just pay attention and just try and find one thing that you can say, man, I am going to be a part of making it better and not just sit around and be, well, so what? And here's the last thing I'm going to say. And we can get the lights if, if we want to get the keys. And guys, if there's one thing you're going to write down, I mean, this is it. Guys, what I want for you to do at the end of the day, and I'm going to throw this on the screen is I want you to stop looking at revival's shortcomings as a problem and start looking at them as an opportunity. You want to know what it means to have that culture that we've been talking about? That's it. 
if you guys can buy in to that one sentence, then we will be 100% in on this culture. 